Hey guys, welcome back to the It's Just Complicated podcast. Um, today we're going to be talking about why I have been MIA and just everything, you know, that's been happening. I've, it's just been a crazy month um, and I can't believe it's been a month since I have talked with you guys, um, but just everything going on has been so draining. I haven't really had the energy or the creativity to um, do the podcast. And like I've said before, I don't want to just give 50% to you guys. So today we're just going to be doing a little talking about that. Um, first we'll start off with our questions. Um, so my drinks just lately, my favorite drinks lately, um, have been, um, okay. So I made this fun ice cream drink when my sister and her fiance were in town. Um, and it was like part apple juice, part orange juice. Um, and then on top of it, we put, um, raspberry ice cream, just a scoop of it right on the top of the glass. And it was kind of like a float, but a little bit different take on it. And it was really good. Um, and then ginger ale has been one of my favorites lately, as well as Gatorade. Um, and I just feel like those are very like summery, summery type drinks. Um, so yeah, those have been my drinks. Um, my random thought, which really is my husband's random thought. I just stole it from him. Um, well, no, he told me, he was like, that should be on your podcast. Um, and so like, what would it take to move the, the red circle, like cement blocks in front of Target. And he was saying, he was like, I wonder how fast you'd have to hit it, like in a car. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that the cement blocks would win every single time, no matter what kind of car you did, like ran into it with. That's the whole point of them is they're supposed to stop cars from coming into the front of the building. So, yeah. I don't, they, there's probably a stat out there on it, but that's just that's just our thought for the week. Okay, so we'll jump right in. So it's kind of a really hard, like, I mean, it's not hard to talk about. I'm kind of an open book, um, but it's just kind of, it's something that's not talked about a lot. Um, so I'm just going to kind of start from the beginning of the story. Um, back in the beginning of May, um, I started to get some pregnancy symptoms and, um, I was a little like a day late on my period, which really isn't saying much because my period normally is never on time. Um, but I decided to take a test and, um, it came back positive. And then, um, I, so I found that out like the week of Mother's Day, like the week leading up to Mother's Day. Um, and I told Dawson on like Friday that week, um, I surprised him with a cute little box. Um, and then on Mother's Day, I started to get some pretty bad cramping 
And then the next day on Monday, I started getting some bleeding. And I know in early pregnancy, especially at that point, I was only like four or five weeks. Um, and I think I was four. And so, and that's pretty normal to get some light bleeding, which it wasn't like a full on period. It was just some like light spotting. Um, and so I know that's pretty normal around that time in pregnancy from like implantation, um, and just like everything is just kind of like readjusting and hormones are spiking and everything is just changing. <laughs> and so the first couple of days I, I was pretty worried about it because I do have PCOS. So my hormones are kind of, um, out of whack. They're not the way they should be. Um, and so I was, um, already worried kind of about a miscarriage and, um, so the bleeding kind of kept going on and I started to get some, um, that, so that mother's day when I was getting some cramping, that was pretty much it. I had it for about an hour and me and my husband looked it up and I think the pain was more associated with something called, oh, I don't remember the actual name for it, but basically it's like your ligaments around um, like your belly area are like stretching and getting ready to grow. And that can be some pretty excruciating pain, kind of like cramping. Um, and it was only there for a couple hours and then left and I didn't experience any more. Um, and then the next Wednesday I started experiencing more cramping, more similar to like my period. Um, and that's when I kind of started to get a little bit more worried about the potential of a miscarriage. And, um, at that time we were uninsured. Um, we didn't have any health insurance. Um, and I was too early along to go in and see an OB. Um, and so the internet and a couple of my friends and family have suggested that I go into the ER. Um, and so we ended up going into the ER that night and, um, it was too early. They couldn't see anything on a, um, on an ultrasound. Um, but they took my HCG levels, which are the levels that's, um, hormone levels. I want to pronounce the full name, what HCG stands for, but I'm not going to because I feel like I'm going to butcher it. So, um, anyways, there, it's like one of the main hormones that helps form the placenta in the early pregnancy. Um, and they spike pretty quickly. Um, every 48 to 72 hours are supposed to double. And so they took my levels and my levels were a little low, but they said that was pretty normal in our early pregnancy because everybody's levels kind of, um, rise at a little bit different of a pace. Um, and, so she said there wasn't anything to worry about as far as that goes that, um, and that I was normal for the bleeding. And, um, they just suggested that I go into my, an OB office and I get my blood levels tested again, um, to make sure that they were rising correctly. If they're rising correctly, then everything's okay. And the bleeding can be completely normal. Um, someone told me that they knew someone who bled through their entire pregnancy 
Um, and I told my mom, if that happens, that the world would feel my wrath because that was one of my biggest symptoms was I was just angry at everything. Somebody looked at me the wrong way and I was like, oh, they didn't. Um, and so I was like, like I would be so angry if that happened, but I kind of eased my mind because I was like, okay, so it's normal. It's not something that's like completely like, you know, like lose, like, um, lose our minds over like we just won't know until we can get in and test my levels again so I wasn't able to get into the OB again um until the following Monday so it wasn't an exact test so Monday they took my levels and I found out Tuesday that they had risen by a pretty significant amount um so that was good that was a really good sign but that Monday after I left the doctor's office I started getting some more pain, um, just kind of like in that region. It wasn't like, um, wasn't cramping. It was just like, there was just like a lot of pressure and, um, just very uncomfortable. And I just equated that to being like, um, it's very common in pregnancy to, um, have bad gas and like, just like, just everything is changing. Everything is moving around, getting prepared. So I just equated it to that. Um, and then to make sure that my levels were continuing to rise that next Wednesday, I went in and got my levels tested again. And I was supposed to find out Thursday what my levels were, but the OB office that I was able to get into on such a late, late, late notice, which I'm very, very happy that I was able to even get into an OB that quickly because a lot of times OBs are booked out you know, a decent amount. Um, and so I'm thankful for that, but it took forever to get a hold of them. So I didn't even find out my test results until Friday, like right before they closed. And, um, my levels had dropped, but not by a significant amount, which I found very interesting because all the research I did said that your, um, ACG levels during a miscarriage will drop just as they rise. So they rise by 50% every 48 to 72 hours. So when you miscarry, your HCG levels should drop by 50% every 48 to 72 hours. And when I got my levels tested on Monday, they were like 8.30 something. And when I got them tested on Wednesday, it was like 7.50 something. Um, and my levels on Monday got tested in the morning and my levels on Wednesday got tested in the very, very late afternoon. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, maybe it's just because of the time of day that the, that the numbers are being recorded. Cause I know that like that hormone is higher in the morning. Um, and so, um, they told me that that was a good sign of a miscarriage. And so we kind of, we started our grieving process and, um, it was really hard. I would say that I've dealt with depression and a lot of hard things and situations in my life, um, from, you know, early teenage years to now. And I, I have learned how to cope with a lot of my depression and my symptoms and everything from depression pretty well now as an adult. But I would say that 
when I finally came to that realization that we were having a miscarriage, that was the lowest I felt since I first started dealing with depression in my early teenage years. Like, I I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't know why I was still alive because the pain just hurt so bad. I didn't I didn't want to have to deal with it. I wanted to do anything that I could to numb it out. And that meant not acknowledging it, not talking to anybody because if I talked to somebody, then that meant it was real. I Sorry if you hear my dogs. They are still not used to the apartment living life yet and every little thing they bark at. Um so, anyways, we're going to ignore that. Um, and oh, I'm trying to remember what I was saying. Um, but it, it was just really, it was really hard to acknowledge. And for a little while, even after that, like, even after the doc, the nurses told me, like, yes, it is, you are most likely miscarrying. Um, uh, they said that they still, uh, I had an ultrasound scheduled for June 1st. And, um, they said still come into that because, you know, HCG levels can, you know, you know, they can flux. And, um, I was reading that it is still possible when I was doing my research, it is still possible. It's like 8% chance, which is pretty low. Um, but in my head, that was something I was clinging to of 8% chance that you can still go on to have a healthy pregnancy when your HCG levels drop. And, um, so I still acted like I was pregnant. I didn't, you know, drink any alcohol. I cut my caffeine down. I, um, I mean, not that I drink alcohol really, but, um, like I just was cautious of like what I was doing and where I was and, um, what I was around because I was clinging on to that 8% chance, Um, because my levels had been just dropped weirdly. And I didn't think that that lined up just from the research that I did. Um, and so anyways, my sister-in-law was here and, um, it was really, really nice to have them here, especially at the time that they were here, which is a like huge, like God thing. I think that, um, cause there was a lot of other times that we had kind of talked about them coming down or us going to Montana to visit them. Um, and I, it was definitely a, like God had planned that in that way, made, you know, that trip work at that time because having them here and just being able to like go out and have fun and not, not like, I literally couldn't just sit on my bed and ignore all the text messages people were sending me or ignore, um, phone calls or whatever. Like they were, they were staying in our home and I, like was forced to continue moving along and being a normal human. I couldn't, I couldn't just allow myself to sit in bed, um, and just hanging out with them. It's, it's, it's always fun hanging out with my sister. We always laugh and make fun of each other and just have a good time. Um, and so, um, they leave Wednesday afternoon that at the Wednesday after the Friday that we got our results that said that we were most likely miscarrying. And um, I 
went to one of my groups that night, my Bible study groups, and I was doing fine most of the day. Like I didn't have any pain or anything. And then as soon as I sit down on the couch at my friend's house, I just like instantly started to get this pain in my stomach. And I was like, okay, this is weird. Like, I don't know why I'm getting this just like random pain. And I thought, well, maybe it could be from the miscarriage. Like I was still, I was still bleeding at this point. It was, it was pretty light. Like I went two weeks of bleeding, which is not normal for me. Normally my periods are very, very short, irregular, you know? Um, and so I was like, okay, well maybe it's still like everything is trying to clear out hormones and everything. Um, and I got up and I went to the bathroom and the second I like sat down on the toilet, (laughs) TMI, I don't know. Um, not TMI to me. I don't really, I don't get like grossed out talking about any of this stuff. Um, but I like the pain just got worse and I was like, okay, well maybe something about sitting on the toilet is making it worse. So I like got up and I sat on the ground and that just made it worse and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and I sat on the bathroom floor for like 25 minutes and then one of my friends in the group texted me and was like hey like are you okay like you've been in there for a little while like just want to check in on you and I was like I can't I'm just gonna have to go home and I like called Dawson crying and I was like I just don't want to go home like but I don't I can't like sit and like be a part of the conversation when I'm in so much pain and um So I ended up getting up and I left the group early, came home and, um, the, like the pain, like it was just, it was getting so bad. Like I couldn't even get into bed on my own. Like Dawson literally had to lift me up and lay me on the bed and move me around because moving just hurt so bad and like walking and just hurt so bad. And it was like mainly, um, on my right side. And so anyways, the friend's house that I was at, the husband is also friends with Dawson and somehow I don't know if Dawson texted him or, um, his wife told him or whatever, but, um, somehow he found out and called Dawson and was like, Hey, like I, you know, we were worried that it was appendicitis cause we were like trying to look up like, why am I in so much pain? Like, why is it directly on my right side? And we, we knew that your appendix is on your right side. And so we were like, well, could it be appendicitis? And he has experience with appendicitis. And so he like helped Dawson run some tests on me. And I passed two out of the three tests, but we were uninsured until the next morning. Like we had just gotten health insurance, but it didn't go into effect until June 1st. And this was May 30, 30th, 31st. I don't remember how many days are in. 31st um of May and so we were like well like it's appendicitis that's going to be like a whole like surgery like if it ruptured and like they're you know like we can't afford that when we're uninsured so we we just made the decision we're like okay we're just going to keep an eye on my pain and um make sure if it gets worse then we'll we'll go into the hospital, but if it stays the same, then we're going to try and hold it out. And the following day is when I had my ultrasound to confirm the miscarriage. 
And so I was just like hoping and praying that I could just make it to the ultrasound and maybe they would potentially see something in the ultrasound and being like, yeah, okay, like this is appendicitis, you need to go in. Or like they wouldn't find anything and they wouldn't say anything and it would just be like this random pain. I get lots of just random pains, which probably isn't healthy, um, but I do. <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe, maybe it'll just be another one of those random pains that I get. And I, so I go into my appointment and I, the next morning I woke up, I was in a significant less amount of pain. Um, but I was still in quite a bit of pain. I pretty much sat on the couch all day. Um, and I just so happened to have the rest of the week off after my sister-in-law and her fiance left. Um, and cause I'm like in the process of transferring to a different store, um, to work at. And so it just so happened that I had some extra days off. And, um, so I sat just on the couch all day, just watched TV and then got ready to go to my appointment, go in and I go and get my ultrasound. And then I like go over and I'm like scheduled to like see the nurse. Um, and like, I'm scheduled to see the nurse of a nurse because that my like normal nurse practitioner was out of the office for something. And so I get the ultrasound, um, and like it, it was in an actual ultrasound room. So like you, I could see the TV and she was doing the ultrasound and I couldn't see anything. And uh, so I was like, okay, so I did have a miscarriage and I was just kind of like grap like grasping that in my head. Like I knew it, but I was really hoping for that 8%. And so then they get done with the ultrasound and I go re- to wait in the doctor's office and um, this, this doctor's office, they are, from the experiences I've had, are very slow. Uh, well, maybe, slow is maybe not the right word for it, but, like, I went in, one time I went in for my appointment at 8.45, and I didn't even get in to see the nurse until 10.30, or 10.15. So I waited an hour and a half. And, for me, that was really irritating, especially when, like, I was pregnant and I was already irritated, just with everything, because, like, I schedule an appointment for a certain time for a certain reason, which is a whole nother tangent to go on that I won't go down, um, but they got me in to see me pretty quickly, and I was like, okay, well, maybe it's just because it's the end of the day, so they take me back, um, and they took my weight, and they, I think they took my blood pressure, and they start at, like, uh, two of the nurses start asking me, like, are you in a lot of pain on your right side? Like, how are you feeling? Like, are you feeling nauseous, sick? And I'm like, well, yeah, actually, I, I have been feeling, like, a lot of pain on my right side. And and they were like, okay, well, so when did this start? And I was like, well, I've been having a couple episodes of, like, pain and stuff in my stomach area for a couple weeks. Um, but this one has been the worst one. Last night, I would say my pain was a 10 out of 10. Um, but now I'd say it's about a four, like it's, you know, subsided a little bit and they're like, okay. And I was like, that's kind of weird. I didn't say anything about it to the ultrasound tech. I didn't say anything about it before they started asking me. And so they like take me into the room and they're like, go into room five down there. And, um, the doctor comes in pretty quickly, which surprised me because I was expecting to see the nurse 
the nurse of a nurse. So I was like, how did I get brought up to the top of the totem pole to the doctor who I've never met? Like I haven't, like this is a new OB office to me. So I've never actually met with the doctor. Um, and he was like, so I hear that you're having some pain on your right side. And I was like, yeah, like, um, it kind of started like the worst episode I've had kind of started last night. And he goes, okay, well, sorry to tell you this, but it actually turns out that you, um, have an ectopic pregnancy and some internal bleeding. And so if you don't know what an ectopic pregnancy is, um, here's a little bit of woman's health, um, anatomy lesson for you. So like in the woman's reproductive system, you have the like ovaries, which is what creates the eggs and sends them into the fallopian tubes. And then, um, like when you conceive a baby, that is, uh, where the egg and the sperm meet, they like, you know, do their, do their thing. They become one and then they kind of gravitate down into your cervix and that's where they plant themselves into the cervix wall. Okay, sorry if I sound any different or I'm in a different place in the video. Um, uh, my computer died <laughs> and luckily it saved everything because I am at 26 minutes of audio and um, that would not have been fun to have to re-go through all of that. Um, so anyways, um, so what happens, I believe where I left off was um, what happens in a normal pregnancy. So what happens in an, um, ectopic or tubal pregnancy is instead of moving into the cervix and implanting itself there, it will stay and implant itself into the fallopian tube. I believe that it implants itself into the fallopian tube. Um, and it will, um, continue growing, I believe, as, a normal pregnancy. Um, but what happens is it, it can rupture and it can cause internal bleeding, um, which can kill you, um, which is really scary. Um, and it's something I've always, I've always had anxiety about having an ectopic pregnancy. And I don't know if that's just, you know, my, my, I mean, my mind can't see into the future, but I don't know. It just, it's, really hard because it's something that I've always been worried about. Um, back when me and Dawson first got married, I had a, an IUD and an ectopic pregnancy is a lot more likely when you have an IUD. And so it was something I was always worried about then. Um, and I obviously currently am not on any birth control, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's always been a worry of mine. Um, and so anyways, the doctor comes in and tells me, you know, you have an ectopic pregnancy and we see some s slight internal bleeding. Um, so we're going to have to get you into surgery uh, right away. Can you can you do surgery tonight? And I was like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like luckily I didn't have to work the next day like I had already had that time off. Um, but it was just like. And I, I was just kind of like smiling when he's telling me all this stuff because I like didn't even know like how to feel like I felt blessed that we caught it before uh, anything more terrible like happened to me. Um, but I like also was like, oh, OK, so 
I didn't really have a miscarriage like that would uh, um and I think that that explains why my numbers didn't fall like my HCG numbers didn't fall the way they were supposed to um I was reading that in an ectopic pregnancy your HCG levels can kind of like be weird um not normal so that makes sense um as to why it only fell by about a hundred um when they took it the week before um and so I like Dawson had just got off work I called him he came home showered quick while I finished up at the doctor um and then uh we headed right over to the hospital and they got me up to my room and then basically basically brought me right back down to the first floor I can't remember what the the place was called she kept calling it a certain thing and now I can't remember what it's called um but like the place to basically prep me for surgery and they were giving me all the spiel and um everything and they had to give me all these special medications because like I wasn't planning on having surgery that night and so I just ate and drank like I normally did but you're technically not supposed to eat and drink before surgery because it can when you go under anesthesia, your body doesn't respond like it normally does. So if you like you throw up when you're under anesthesia, <clears throat> your body isn't going to like s- immediately sit up and like um, help like bring everything out and up and not just stick in your throat. Um, and so what happens is like you can potentially choke and die. Um, if it comes up and your body just lays there and it can go back down into your lungs. And so they had to give me like some special medication to like help with my stomach acid and just like all this stuff. Um, and then the nurse gave me what she calls champagne in the veins and it kind of just helped me relax like right before I went into the OR and, I wasn't super scared. I don't think it had really set in until I got into the OR room and it was freezing in there and everything is just like stale because it has to be like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, I can't remember the word. Sterile. It has to be sterile, obviously. Um, and so everything is just like cold and like looks cold and, um, and I like, they wheel me in on my bed and then they move me on to the OR table and like, I just immediately see all of these like nurses or doctors or whatever they were, um, like over me. And they're, like, attaching things to my chest and, like, laying me all flat, getting me all situated. And then the, like, the the mask goes over my face. And I just, like, remember, like, all just, like, the bright lights. And then I was out. (laughs) And um, surgery only took about an hour. And then they had me in the, like, recovery room for about an hour. Um, and, um, when I started waking up, I, like, the nurse was, like, trying to keep me awake, because I kept, like, kind of, like, falling back to sleep, 
And she was like, wake up, wake up. You got to stay awake. You got to stay awake. And she was like, do you want ice chips? And like, like kept feeding me ice chips and in my head, like, and I, she, you know, I know she's just doing her job. She needed to do what she needed to do to keep me safe. But I'm just like, why won't this woman just let me sleep? <laughs> um, but everybody there was like just so nice. And a lot of the nurses were like, we're praying for your recovery. And like, um, it just... being surrounded by a team that was just like they they all you know they seemed like they know what they were doing like they were all super super nice like it was really hard to kind of take in what happened um and Dawson was telling me that I was like so like loopy and I was just like nice to all the nurses like all the nurses that came in were just like uh or I was like, hi, and I was just like so excited to see everybody. Um, and one of Dawson's friends came and sat with him while I was in surgery and recovery. And like, I remember, I don't really even like remember like recognizing like his face or anything. I just remember seeing his beard and like Dawson walks up to me and he like, was like right beside my bed and I was still like very very groggy and like out of it and and he goes hi I'm, I'm right here I'm right here and he goes and he like looks back and he goes Longwell's here and I was like oh, hi and I was just like yeah just so happy to see everybody um and I felt pretty good after surgery um I was pretty hyped up on painkillers and um anesthesia takes a lot longer to get out of your body than I thought it did and so um they kept me in overnight to uh for observation and then it kind of into the morning and uh early afternoon and then we were um released from the hospital around two o'clock um came home and for the first couple days I was doing pretty good um which I was surprised by and my mom was very surprised by as well and then um I think I only had enough painkillers to get me through like three days three or four days sorry four or five days now that I remember and um so the day after I ran out of my painkillers and I'm just on ibuprofen now to help with like the swelling and stuff and like a little bit of pain management, um, was probably my hardest day. Um, one, I think everything was finally setting in. Um, and as I started to do more and more research, there's a lot more recovery that goes into, um, I mean, not only I, I had surgery, um, so my body has to recover from surgery, but just an ectopic pregnancy alone, there is a lot more healing and recovery time that goes into that than just a, um, I don't want to call it normal miscarriage because I feel like that's the wrong word and I feel like that doesn't do people's pain justice. Um, but it's different. 
it's a different process, um, even just in your body and how your body handles that letdown of the hormones and everything. Like it's a different process. Um, and I think it was finally starting to catch up with me. And as I did more research on what that process looks like, it's a lot more lengthy process. Um, after a, um, a miscarriage, you can pretty much like you have the possibility to get pregnant your very next cycle, like within that next month. And I know a lot of people don't try that early, but me and Dawson, um, kind of had mourned it. And, um, we, we believe in God, we believe in Jesus and their power and their healing power. And, um, oftentimes in a miscarriage, um, the reason that you miscarry is because the chromosomes didn't form correctly in the beginning. And it's basically your body's way of just being like this. And I believe that, um, like this is a, like blessing isn't the right word. It's, this is a really hard topic to talk about because I don't want to say anything to offend people's pain and their journey that they have been through because this is something very real and everybody processes this very differently. But coming from having full trust in God and his plan, like I came to peace with the loss of our baby a lot sooner because our baby didn't have to be in pain. Like the chromosomes didn't form right and that would have led to just a lot of pain for the baby and now my baby doesn't have to be in pain. He or she gets to go and be in heaven with Jesus and while I lost my baby here on earth, I'll get to meet my baby in heaven and like for me that is just such a peaceful thought like I cannot imagine going through this without knowing that God has a greater plan and I don't believe at all that God wishes this upon people or gives this gives this experience to anybody that's not the God that I believe in but God works together the things of evil for his good and his glory and for our good too like not it's not for my glory I don't get any glory from this but he has mine and Dawson's best interest in mind and so while he he sees us going through this thing that he wishes that we never had to go through that is born of evil we now get to view it in the light of God and that is a really hard thing to grasp and to just be okay with. But it's like the thing that I'm like, like grasping onto is having that peace in Jesus that I don't have to bear this pain alone. And that like, and even if the only reason that like, the only good that comes out of this experience is that I get to be there for other people who go through a miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy. That is enough for me to have peace about because 
something that was really hard for me when I was going through all of this is, you know, I had a lot of people in my corner and a lot of people fighting for us and praying for us. But the thing is, is like, oftentimes people who don't go through this stuff don't have the right words. And that is okay. I am not mad at anybody who said something to me that like may or may not have come off wrong like to me but to them they were just trying to say something to help make it better for me but the thing is is that can kind of make you feel alone because a lot of the people that I know in my life haven't gone through this or don't like to speak up about it whatever that may the scenario may be um but it felt it made it feel a little lonely like no one really understood what I was going through. Like people were grieving with us and praying for us, but, and that, and we appreciate that so much. Like, I don't say any of this to be like, I, everybody needs to go through this so that everybody can understand. No, I would never wish this upon anybody, but there's something about talking to someone who understands. We have, um, some friends who have been through it and, um, someone who is um kind of like a mentor figure in my life has been through it and talking to people who have been through it I'm so sorry um it brings a kind of peace that hearing the words I'm praying for you doesn't always bring like I have peace over the fact that you know, like when, and this is so hard because I don't want anybody to feel like those words didn't mean everything to us because everybody praying for us and being there for us, offering help, uh, checking in those things, we feel great joy and, and like feeling blessed with the community and the people that God has put in our lives. Don't get me wrong about any of that. Um, but talking to someone who has been through it, it's like a weight is kind of lifted off your shoulder. Like you don't have to, like, I didn't feel like in no one who's that I've talked to that hasn't been through this ever made me feel like I had to pretend like everything was okay, but I don't know how to communicate the internal turmoil and loss that you feel to someone who has never been through it. And so a lot of times it's just easier to be like, yeah, we're making it, you know, um, rather than when you're talking to someone who has been through a miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy, there's this like feeling that you don't have to like explain exactly how you're feeling because they just understand. And it's like, it's like being in a room full of I don't know. I don't know why I want to like compare this to it because I've never been to an AA meeting, but I feel like it's almost like that. It's like being with someone who just understands the literal thing that you're going through because people can sympathize and understand that this is something really hard, but there's power in people who have been through it and it miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy speaking up about it and being there and I feel like it 
it's not talked about enough. Like even in the medical, like in the medical system, like when I was looking at like stats on miscarriage and stuff, um, I think it's 10 to 20 percent of women will have a miscarriage. And I feel like that number is not accurate. And I realize that that number isn't accurate because a lot of people will miscarry before they even know they're pregnant. And so to them, it's just a period. Um, but like, and I, it's, it's being talked about more and more now, but like, I just remember going into the doctor, going into the ER and being like, this is something I'm really worried about. Like I have this and this going on. And I feel like that is like really good evidence of this happening to my body. And everyone in the medical system is like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Like, you know, don't worry about it. Like, oh, like we're just going to have to wait and see. Like, and I understand there's nothing that can really be done to like confirm that you've miscarried besides seeing your HCG levels go to zero and not seeing anything in the uterus. Like those are the things that you can do in an early pregnancy. Those things aren't always doable or accurate. Um, but it just felt like to me, it was this huge thing in the forefront of my mind and like my entire being was being consumed by this thought of like, I'm losing my baby. And yet everyone around me was like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And I know a lot of that comes from people just wanting to be comforting and not make you more worried and being like, yeah, that's probably what it is. And then obviously I'd go into a spiral, right? Um, And so I understand that. But it just feels like there's something we can do better or further to help people who are going through this be, be surrounded by understanding. Um, and I'm sorry to anyone who has had a miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy. I'm sorry that you don't feel seen. And I don't want to, and I'm sorry that you feel alone. And I'm not going to tell you that when I made my notes for this episode, I originally was going to say, you don't have to be alone. But the thing is, is that you are going to feel alone. And I'm sorry that you have to feel that way. I don't want to invalidate your feelings by saying anything, by trying to encourage you. I just want to say that I'm sorry. And that there is peace in trusting God in this. And I just, I feel like I don't have the right words to do this justice, but it's just something that's like weighing on my heart so heavily, like going through this, like, if you or anyone you know is going through a miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy or something, you know, similar, and you don't have anybody in your life 
that has gone through it or that you feel like you can like truly talk about that type of grief, grief and loss with, even though I may not know you, know that I am here. I am available. My DMs are open. Uh, I will link my Instagram below. Um, and like, I don't know, going through this, like has obviously been very hard and, and I have allowed myself to just think about me. Like this is what I'm going through. And, but I want to make sure that I don't come out of this and it's just a little season in my life. Like I want to, I want to make a difference because I don't want people who go through this to feel utterly alone because even and even if you have people around who understand what you're going through have been through it you can still feel a little alone because this is your experience and this is your life and a huge season and loss in your life but if there's any way that I can help I'm open and I'm here. And I feel like that's really all I can say. Um, so yeah, so just right now, it, we're, we're in our um, grieving phase. I'm not grieving as much. Um, well, I'm like still grieving as much, but like um, it comes and goes. I have my good days and my bad days. Um, it's hard to see certain things on social media or when I'm at the store I see a cute family and they're all laughing and it's hard but we're just trying to take it day by day and um please excuse if I am absent from social media um I have been feeling a little bit more creative lately and just in the last day um so I'm really hoping and praying that I can keep that creativity spark around. But I'm going to have bad weeks. So I'm going to have good weeks. So please be graceful with me. Uh, and we also just moved into our new apartment, literally in the midst of all of this. Um, so it's it's just a lot of change right now. And because of everything going on, like I can't get around very well like sitting up like this is actually kind of hurting um but I don't I don't have another chair to sit in um so we're making it work because we love the pod and we're here for the pod um but um there's just like because of like just being in pain and like literally just going through surgery Um, our apartment is still kind of a mess and, um, but I will say we got our, my drink bar and it's kind of getting slowly set up. So, um, I was thinking about taking you guys along on setting up the drink bar because that is a huge piece and part of the podcast. Um, and you know, around it's complicated pod, we love drinks. So, um, I would love to take you guys along that journey on setting it up. Um, and yeah, there's just a lot of life change going on right now. And 
coping and just trying to kind of get back into a rhythm. I haven't gotten back to work yet. I will start this Saturday um, at my new store and um, yeah, just lots, lots of life changes. I don't even like, I feel like I've kind of like covered everything. Um, so thank you so much for listening in. I am so happy that I got to share this with you guys and this experience with you guys and, um, just getting to be open and honest and shedding light on the, the process of all of this. Like, I'm going to continue to take you guys through this whole process because the before, like, me and Dawson have grieved and, um, for the most part, we're feeling really at peace about all of this. Um, kind of our, I think our last step, um, that we are currently waiting on, um, of the grieving process for us, um, is I think we're going to go to Build-A-Bear and it was one of the things I was reading that's like a really healthy way to cope with the loss of your baby is, um, making some sort of like monument, not monument, that's not the right word, but that's the only word that's coming to my mind. Um, but like something to commemorate them for and to have, um, with you. And so I think what we're going to do is we're going to go to Build-A-Bear and we are going to make a little stuffed animal that will forever, um, represent our little baby that we can't wait to meet in heaven. Um, and so that's kind of where we're at with that. But like, as far as like being ready to try again, um, we weren't trying, um, for this baby. Um, but, and we were excited. We're excited to start a family, but actually finding out that we were pregnant and like, like it being real, um, made us realize how much like we, like we want that now. Um, and, but anyways, with that being said, um, you have to wait about three months before you can start trying again. Um, because they want to see your, like your hormone, your hormones going back to normal in an ectopic pregnancy compared to a miscarriage is different. Um, and so they want to see like two full normal period cycles um, just to signify that your hormones are kind of back to where they need to be and ready to grow a healthy baby. And so I'm going to be taking you guys along the whole journey. I am currently trying to learn how to best um, advocate for my body and take care of my body and give it all the nutrients and stuff that it needs to um get itself back into regulation. Um, and so I, um, will be keeping you guys along on this whole journey. I appreciate you guys, um, being so, um, loving and kind. Um, and I'm excited to get back into a normal, um, release, um, cycle again. And, 
um, at my new store, I will be, it looks like I'm going to be more part-time than full-time. So I'm really hoping I'm going to be able to put more energy towards the podcast um, because this is really my passion and I love doing this um, and talking with you guys every week. So thank you guys for listening in this week and I cannot wait to talk to you guys next week. Bye. (laughs) Bye.